0: We live in a society that just increasingly is becoming impersonal and superficial. And sadly, as Christianity is often represented in the media, it too is very impersonal and shallow. If ever there was an example of authenticity... It was the person of the Apostle Paul, and his life experience is an example for us that we're going to see this morning as we talk about the topic of authentic ministry, where there is so much inauthenticity, we see the Apostle Paul, beginning at verse 12, excuse me, verse 1 of chapter 6, 2 Corinthians 6, verse 1. We then, as workers together with him, also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, In an acceptable time I have heard you, and in the day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. We give no offense in anything that our ministry may not be blamed. But in all things we commend ourselves as ministers of God in much patience, in tribulations, in needs, in distresses, in stripes, in imprisonments, in tumults, labors, sleeplessness, fasting, by purity, by knowledge, by long suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Spirit, by sincere love, by the word of truth, by the power of God by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left, by honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report, as deceivers and yet true, as unknown and yet well-known, as dying and behold we live, as chastened and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing and yet possessing All things. Eighty-five percent of those people in the world who call themselves or identify themselves as Grace Brethren live in the Central African Republic. And if you've been following the news lately, Islamic extremists are persecuting and martyring some of our brothers and sisters in Africa as I speak. We may never experience the kind of things we just read, some of them, the stripes and imprisonments. We may. Probably not, at least not soon. But in the Central African Empire right now, our brothers and sisters are. This text is very real to them. And it needs to be very real to us, because I believe in many ways it's harder to discipline oneself to truly live in fellowship with Jesus Christ and live a life that's authentic when you live in the midst of affluence and the privilege that we experience. Heavenly Father, I pray that we will be able to grasp this text of Scripture this morning and apply it to ourselves where we live right here, right now, in our world. I pray, Father, that above all else we'll be the genuine article, men and women of godly integrity and authenticity. That, Father, as your ambassadors and personal representatives here on planet Earth, our world, the people that live in it, will see firsthand the real thing that is the byproduct of the presence of the Holy Spirit and one who's been made a new creature in Christ Jesus. I pray that you would be our teacher this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Now many people have some rather strange ideas as to what a minister is. This is a little extreme. Thank you. This is a little extreme, but many believe, or some, that a, a true minister is like a pious monk. His life is filled with soft organ music in the background, angelic visitations, endless hours of quiet meditation and prayer, and there's this sort of holy aura about such a person that makes you want to whisper when you're in their presence. Now that's some people's idea and certainly not us. We don't think that. But you know, deep down in all of us, sometimes at least, there's that feeling that certainly the preacher has a more direct line to God than than I do. Well, I'm here to testify. Uh Uh-uh. It's not that way. The preacher has no more of a direct line to God than anybody else. The minister concept is kind of like we see here, the hired gun syndrome. We, we, we buy into this idea that we pay somebody to do ministry. Here it's the preacher or whoever. And then there's the over-the-ocean people, the missionaries. And, and we, we give our money so that they can go minister. And sadly for many, it's kind of like There. I've done my part. Let them go be ministers. Last week, in the last uh, 10 verses of chapter 5, we learned that in verse 17 that in Christ we are a new creation. We have a whole new spiritual DNA. There's something dramatically changed about us. It affects our attitudes. It affects our value system our worldview, the way we look at other people. We see them as people for whom Christ died, and so on. We are also called, in that last uh, few verses, ambassadors for Christ. And as we learned last week, an ambassador is somebody who is a personal representative of the one who has sent them. We are personal representatives. As new creatures in Christ, we are personal representatives of Jesus Christ, here on planet Earth. And I noticed in the text, verses uh, 11 to the end of chapter 5, the the personal pronoun we is there 11 times. And the first word in our text today in chapter 6, verse 1 is we. We've been called ambassadors for Christ. And here in the first verse, we are called co-workers with Him. Jesus. So, if we're co workers, ambassadors, ministers, verse 4 says we are ministers, what is a minister? In verse 1, the word co worker or workers together, depending on your translation, is the idea of intentional involvement in ministry, putting forth Ergon, energy. And then in verse 4 is the word servant. Diakonos, we know that word. One who waits on tables, waits for ministers, serves. Just as Jesus gave the example in Matthew 20, 28, the Son of Man, Jesus said, referring to himself, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom. This first word, we, carries the idea of an awareness that we are His ambassadors, we're His co workers. Along with those who have upfront ministries on Sundays and those who have across the ocean ministries, we all are equally ministers, His representatives together. No more. No less. We're all in the same boat. In Christ, we are all ministers. And uh, I don't need to say that in this church like I would in most. I think the people in this church, more than most, get that and see themselves as ministers and servants. And uh, you might want to take a, a tour in the rooms back here before you leave. Several of our people this week, uh, yesterday I believe it was, repainted that. really looks cool. And if you don't like the color, I think you can blame Deanna Cashman. Is that right? No. Ah. Well, I'll blame you. <laughs> I know that you, you were one of the cohorts. Yeah, and Because uh, we talked about that in our, our home group. Uh, Thursday night. This is where Paul begins his description of authentic ministry. We're all in the same boat. And uh, that's ministry. What about the word authentic? I think we know what that means. We tend sometimes to think, however, that authentic means perfect. And when it comes to humans, that's not what it means. It means honest when imperfect. It means genuine, authentic, authentic a person of integrity, that even when there's failure, there's absolute transparency and admission. Uh, Somebody that you have confidence in and trust because they're genuine, they're real. And that's our topic this morning. And and we're given two prerequisites to authentic ministry. In verse 1 he says, As workers together with him... We plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. Paul is saying, essentially, you received the grace of God the day you were saved. Now, as a Christian, don't turn your back on God's grace to you. Live out your life by his grace. Grace in the Christian life is God's enabling power. The Christian life is a supernatural life that cannot successfully be lived in the power of the flesh. We must depend upon the energizing of the Holy Spirit within us if we're to successfully live our Christian life. And then the next verse says, For he says, In an acceptable time I have heard you, and in the day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Now, in my growing up years, I heard this verse over and over in a, in a plea at the end of a, of a service for people to come forward and receive Christ as their Savior. Now is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. That is not what this verse is saying. That's out of context. He's talking to people who are believers It's now is the time. Every day, all day is the day of grace that we are to live out our salvation. And I suspect that the most common substitute for God's grace in our lives, living out the Christian life, is the list. Reducing the Christian life to a list of performance-driven actions. For many people... Well, I go to church at least once a month and I, I quit cussing and I this and that and the other thing and that's what they understand the Christian life to be. Going to meetings and changing a few behaviors. The Christian life is a relationship with a living person the Lord Jesus who in the person of the Holy Spirit comes to reside within us and to empower us. So don't don't uh, uh, receive the grace of God in vain. Rely upon Him. Depend upon Him. To be a truly authentic minister in the body of Christ, authenticity is number one. Not uh, rejecting the grace of God in your life. And the second is similar to it. Cultivating Credibility. We give no offense in anything, that our ministry may not be blamed, but in all things we commend ourselves as ministers or servants, intentionally living our life in such a way that you have complete credibility, first of all, in your own heart, Your own heart is not accusing you. You know that your conscience is clear and pure before God, before yourself. That's where credibility begins, in your own heart, and then in the eyes of those you know. To paraphrase this verse, when we commend ourselves, Paul is saying, the focus is Jesus, and we are but servants. We spare no effort, in protecting our credibility and the reputation of the one we represent. The most common excuse given by those who say I'm not going to be a Christian is because of the hypocrisy of Christians. And sadly, that is often the case. <clears throat> so I ask, how's your, how's your credibility? How is your credibility? Maybe a little help here as we think about that. I discredit my credibility when when I make a promise and don't follow through. I discredit my credibility when I take advantage of other people's trust. When I don't return a borrowed item promptly. When I fail to cultivate a healthy relationship with my wife or husband. When I give the impression I am something that I am not. I discredit my credibility when I exaggerate to make myself look good, when I drive a hard bargain and call it good business, when I cover up to avoid embarrassment, when I fail to return a phone call, when I say I will call you and don't. Thank you. when I compromise the truth in hard places when my explanation is less than the complete truth an ancient prayer from the cowardice that shrinks from new truth from the laziness that is content with half-truths from the arrogance that thinks it knows all things O God of truth, deliver us deliver me to be credible in life to be credible in ministry does not mean that we never fall short but when we do we face up to it people respect integrity they know they can trust someone who is less than perfect if he is honest if he follows through if he does what he says he's going to do even in the small things And I don't believe I shared this one, but uh, this is uh, one that uh, means a lot to me. I discredit my credibility when I consistently arrive at 1.15, when I said I'd be there at 1. And the other one on this list that uh, when I say, I will call you, and don't. In small things, we need to be men and women of precise integrity and honesty and follow through. The prerequisites to authenticity in this text are dependence upon God's enabling power, not falling short of his grace. And the second one is carefully cultivating personal credibility. Now the rest of this text based upon those prerequisites is a realistic portrait (coughs) of authentic ministry. Remember Paul in this section of scripture is defending his credibility and with it the validity of the gospel that he preached. His His detractors were using surface appearances to discredit him. Essentially they were saying he was ugly. They were saying he didn't follow through with his word. He said his behaviors were bizarre. They they were looking at all sorts of appearance things on the surface. So what follows, it's as if Paul is saying you want surface stuff, okay, we're going to take a look at the record. And there are 29 descriptive phrases in the rest of this text of his experience as a servant of Christ. Verse 4. In all things we commend ourselves as ministers of God in much patience, in tribulation, in needs, and in distresses. These two verses amount to a diary of Paul's inner life encounters. Many commentators believe that in much patience modifies everything that follows. And I think that's probably true. But in everything, his authentic, authenticity was clearly seen, and in that, he followed through, he never quit, he did what he said he was going to do, and if he couldn't, he would tell them that the plans had to be changed or whatever. He didn't leave people dangling. In every way, his patience, his follow-through was impeccable. Hupo mono. Hupo under. Mono to remain, to bear up under. That's the word that's translated here, patience. There's another word translated patience (coughs) later on. But with the stuff of life, he approached it with patience. In tribulation, in needs, the word needs is uh, talking about things you can't do without, Uh, food, shelter, clothing. Paul experienced those kinds of needs. And distress, a dire calamity, an extreme affliction. These are the first of 29. The internal stuff is always the hardest for me. Dealing with these kind of things internally and remaining, <coughs> remaining patient before God. But when you face that stuff internally, you can face the external stuff. And for Paul, in stripes, verse 5, five times the Apostle Paul received 39 stripes. Many people died receiving 39 stripes one time. Five times. He was beaten with with whips. And imprisonments. On seven seven different occasions, Paul was imprisoned. Many of the epistles that we have in our Bible were written while he was in prison. And tumults, public assaults, mob violence. Uh, I believe on at least three occasions, uh, Paul barely escaped with his life from public mobs. One time the Uh, Roman centurions actually bodily picked him up and carried him out of the mob to protect his life. (coughs) Paul won the inner battles in his spirit so that he could face the unjust external treatment he experienced. And he maintained his internal victory with these private disciplines in labors, the inner discipline to show up no matter the difficulty, in sleeplessness, the follow-through, In fastings, I personally do not fast as a regular uh, spiritual discipline. I know some who do. There is a place for spiritual disciplines in one's life if they help you stay focused on, on God's enabling power, His grace. Paul did. This was one of his disciplines, spiritual disciplines. These two verses, verses 4 and 5, describe the internal and external stuff he faced. The verses that follow focus more on the spirit-driven resources that produced his steadfastness. Verse 6. By purity, by knowledge, by long-suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Spirit, by sincere love, by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left. Now, on the surface, that what you saw was purity, <clears throat> never any question about Paul's moral integrity. By knowledge, and this particular word for knowledge means to be in touch with reality, balanced, not rigid, facing life realistically. And then the word long-suffering, which in some of your translations is translated patience. As you can see on the screen, this particular word is focused in patience with people. Macro, as opposed to micro. Macro is big, long. Thumia is a word for wrath, anger. A person who is slow to anger, who is long-suffering, who is able to get along with people. <clears throat> and in order to get along with people, by the way, it's important that the love of Christ in your heart gives you a love for people. As I have ex- just observed through, through life, most of the pastors I know who uh, washed out, early in their ministry life as a pastor washed out for the simple reason that they were impatient with people. Have I ever been impatient with people? Absolutely. And every time I have, I've, the Holy Spirit uh, spanks me. <laughs> Makes me aware of it and I have to repent of it. But being long, patient, long suffering with, within, with people, God calls all of us to being long suffering with each other, gentle, patient, by kindness. <clears throat> Think for a, for a minute what this kind of life does for those around you in your world purity, common sense. Long-suffering and gentle and kind with people. When that is our manifesto, our lifestyle, that's what we are in authentic reality. The people around us are going to take notice. And that's when the Peter principle kicks in. 1 Peter 3.15, Always be ready to give a reason for the hope that lies within you. And there will be those who will respond to that kind of a lifestyle. What produces a lifestyle like that? These are the surface things. Here's the source. By the Holy Spirit, being filled as we subordinate ourselves to the authority of the Lord Jesus, the Holy Spirit fills us by sincere love, not hypocritical, but sincere, authentic, genuine, by the word of truth, a lifestyle that is rooted in the word of God. And if your life is going to be rooted in the word of God, your nose needs to be in the book regularly and allow it to wash you, being washed by the washing of the water of the word, by the power of God and by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left. Inauthentic, inauthentic, is a Christianity that is surface. It's a Christianity that looks good, that performs on the outside, goes to church and doesn't cuss, you know, things like that. I want to read for you from the Old Testament passage Amos, the minor prophet Amos, chapter 5, verse 21. He was chastising, (coughs) actually, the Lord through Amos was chastising the Israelites because they were doing all the right things. On the surface, it all looked good. They were going to uh, the temple, they were doing their sacrifices, they were giving their tithes, they were doing all this stuff, but it wasn't coming from their heart. It wasn't sincere. And here's what he says this is Jesus talking I hate, I despise your feast days. And I do not savor your sacred assemblies. Though you offer me burnt offerings and your grain offerings, I will not accept them, nor will I regard your fatted peace offerings. Take away from me the noise of your songs, for I will not hear the melody of your stringed instruments, but rather let justice run down like water and righteousness like the mighty streams. It's an age old problem. God calls us from our heart. He wants relationship with us that is genuine, that is real. <clears throat> well, if this is true of us as it was with Paul, <clears throat> we know that everyone is going to like us and they're all going to give their hearts to Jesus. Not exactly. <clears throat> Paul said by honor and dishonor, by evil report, and by good report. Now listen to this. If your life is lived as an authentic servant of Jesus Christ, with integrity and authenticity, your life will require a response from everybody around you they will not be able to remain neutral towards you. Earlier in our text, back in chapter 2, we read these words, For we are to God the fragrance of Christ, among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one we are the aroma of death leading to death, and to the other the aroma of life Leading to life. If you live an authentic Christian life, people are going to respond. One way or the other. It's at this point that Paul's statements seem to be the reflections of an aging person looking back in his life. He says, as deceivers, yet true. The word deceivers there, as you see, uh, name calling, derogatory names. Paul, I'm sure, was uh, called many names. You've ever been called a name because of your faith? I always have a response when people call me a name. I say, eh. I've been called worse. And, and uh, I, I just don't buy into that kind of thing. But uh, I kind of revel in it when it happens. I kind of like that kind of persecution because it gives great opportunity to express faith. As unknown, yet well known, as he looks back on his life as dying, but behold, we live, as chastened, yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing yet possessing all things. Take a minute to reflect. Where is your life going? <clears throat> what in your life, is of eternal value. Are you just fitting Christ into your life? Or is he your life? Really think about that one. I've had to. Do I just fit Christ into my life? Or is he my life? The Apostle Paul said elsewhere, for me to live is Christ. And to die is gain. The second half of that, I understand. To die is incredible gain. But to live is Christ. Think about that. Don't receive the grace of God in vain. Cultivate credibility This whole text had to do with being real. Are we? I hope you'll think about that. And I want to leave you with two quotes from Jim Elliott, martyred missionary by the Aka Indians in Ecuador about 60 years ago. This first quote I'm sure you've heard before. He said, He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. And then he said, wherever you are, be all there. Wholeheartedly, enthusiastically, and I want to say authentically. Lord Jesus Christ, we are called to be real, to be genuine, authentic, sincere. And that can only be, Father, when we are not failing of the grace of God, but relying moment by moment, day by day, upon the enabling grace and power of the Lord Jesus Christ who makes the supernatural Christian life possible as we are energized by the Holy Spirit. Lord, may we not be playing church, showing up at church, doing this and doing that activity. It's not what it's about. It's about relationship with Jesus Christ, dependence upon him, walking with him, every day, every hour, acts of worship through obedience to the one who gave his life for us. Father, if there is inauthenticity within any of us, our conscience is pricking us, may we, Father, do business, face that issue, that our walk might be clean and pure before you and with you. This I pray in Jesus' name, amen.